Welcome to Talking Giants presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got our linebacker, linebacker preview. A deep class, not necessarily the biggest need for the Giants, but a class, I, I mean, I, I love all these guys. There's not really anybody I talk about that I just don't like at all. Um, and we left people off that I like too, so. Um, and we got a redraft of pick uh, pick 183. We're getting a little late in the draft. We're in six, round six. Justin, how are you? Bobby Skinner, what? Um, nine days until the draft now. Fun. Exciting. I want to I, I want to do it. I, I'm kind of it's not that I'm it's not that I'm done just talking about it and preparing for it because the positions that we have left are very important. But I want to get into it. I want to talk about the guys. I want these guys to be giants. I want to root for them with all my heart. Um, and we're going to be live streaming for like 12, 13 hours draft weekend. And I'm very excited for that. I can't wait because like you said, we, you know. Not, let's not pat ourselves on the back too much, but we work hard at this. Like we put in a ton of work prepping for this, and that day of feeling is like the best feeling in the world. And that's why it's like, hey, uh, come, come Monday, we are done prepping. We're gonna like we told people, we'll go. If you want us to come on your show that week, we will come on your show. We will do as many shows as possible that week, um, because we just want to talk about what we've already done, and then the draft comes, and then you know that that's probably the busiest week and a half is after the draft because we're you know doing the undrafted free agent stuff too um but it's it's fun it's fun this is it's really starting to get fun and, and getting the antsy for it um and and i think talking about interior offensive linemen got that going in us a little bit last week because it's like oh, this yeah. is this is real deal um other things that are real deal justin oh did we do we have new patrons they're real deal people i don't think we had any they're- new patrons they're very real deal people, though. We have a lot of people in the Patreon chat right now hanging out with us. Yep. It's like 10 o'clock at night. Yep, yep. No no new Patreons. All right. Um, the Giants uh, hosted Jason McCourty, DB from the Patriots. Obviously, you know, he was like someone you wanted last year, I think, uh, Justin. No, I wanted Devin McCourty. So it's oh. very easy to mix the two up. Devin McCourty's a safety. Jason McCourty at this point um, is very much a backup corner, um, but he's a very good depth piece for a backup corner if the Giants were to bring him in. He apparently left, like, they left on, like, good terms, and they could return for another conversation, but he left without a deal. He probably wants to go back to New England, you know, and is, like, waiting, and or maybe the Giants are waiting till after the draft or or post-June 1st. I, I don't know. There's there's a, a bunch of different things they could probably be doing. He better not be using us as pawns. I don't appreciate that. Uh, you know, with Jason McCourty, it wouldn't bother me too much, but it would be interesting. You know, good depth. Um... You know, we need it there. Have McCordy and Yid- Yadam as, as backup corners. I think you'd feel really good. Um, but again, I, I, we'll wait till that happens to really dive deep into Jason McCordy. Because if they sign Jason McCordy after the draft, I'll spend eight hours. I'll do a film breakdown. If they sign him tomorrow, you know, I'm going to go watch one game of film, not do a breakdown and look up advanced stats, and that'll be our, our takes on Jason McCordy for for life. You know, then I'll spend one random day in July to uh, – Going go, diving deep on Jason McCourty. Other news: um, Sandra Platzkemer brought back. Not really news. Um, you know he's through the international program, so it's it's a free roster spot. So you know he doesn't count against the fifty-three man or the ninety man. Um, but anyway, Sandra Platzkemer back. In, he's back, baby. Back in the Art Stapleton said back in the New Jersey groove, which I didn't. I didn't like that. It felt dirty. I always just you know it's one of those things that our listeners probably get annoyed at, but I love bringing up like hey. My, my, you know, one of my best friends made him fumble twice in one game. It's true. This is a true story. We interviewed him. We interviewed that player. We did. We had the exclusive. That was fun. 
that was so perfect. And I know I've told this story again, but I did, that made me so happy last year. It's like, we do all our research. We have nothing on this guy. It's like, nope, nope. I have a friend who literally has film of this guy's games. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. We got to do the redraft before we talk about the linebackers, Justin. So we are at pick 183, the sixth round pick. Um, this segment, you know, I'm not as proud of this segment as as we as last year's Carolina draft class analysis. No, this segment. is bad. This is this is bad. This is a bad segment. I know we did not plan out, but you know I me. Mean? Once I start something, we got to finish it. Maybe next, maybe the next episode, we'll just do the whole seventh round at once, and we'll just we'll just leave Get next week clear. Because <laughs> yeah. we're we're gonna be talking about watchers for a long time. All right. To recap, I have went Andrew Thomas, Chase Claypool, Alton Robinson, Darnay Holmes, and Michael Onwenu. Justin has went Justin Jefferson, Xavier McKinney, Tyree Phillips, a horrible offensive lineman, Darnay Holmes, and Michael Onwenu. So both of our last two picks have been the same. Last year in my mock draft, I had Miami cornerback Trajan Bandy. You had uh, corner or guard Keith Ishmael. Remember him from San Diego State? Ooh, where did he go? Washington. He played four snaps all year. Oh, good player. Bum. Giants outdid us on this one. They did better than we both did. They uh, they drafted Cam Brown. Um, that being said, Justin, I'll let you go first. Who are you drafting? Who are you drafting with your your sixth pick of the twenty twenty NFL draft? Are you are you trusting the Giants' instincts and and no. betting on the potential that Cam Brown has? Or are we going other ways? No, um, I'm not huge on Cam Brown. Um, I'm not. Um, I know a lot of people are going to get upset at that about that, but I'm just I'm not. And, I'm taking advantage of a rich wide receiver class. My offensive line is horrible. I know that. I recognize that. <laughs> um, but here's my theory. Jason Garrett's going to get his wide receivers in the building, and he's going to get them in the room, and he's going to be like, you know what? I got these guys that can take the top off the defense. I got Justin Jefferson, and we're going to be adding Donovan Peoples-Jones. From I Michigan. thought you would go. Th- I was tempted to go Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, but, I, you know, I had Chase Claypool. I got, you know, Slayton Shep. Even I, I had Golden State too. So Donovan Peoples Jones. How he's did he do that, this year? He's the guy that taught me. Um, he he wasn't that great. Um, he he didn't do that great. Um, there was some plays. Uh, I'm pretty sure when we played the Giants, where it was uh, it was noteworthy. It's funny how his kick and punt returns come up first before his receiving and his rushing. Uh, he had a four. He had 14 receptions on 20 targets, 304 yards, 10 first downs. Um, did he even have a, uh, a touchdown? He had two touchdowns. Wow. 70% catch rate. So, I mean, not a bad rookie year. Cleveland has a pretty, uh, pretty stacked, pretty good roster for what this guy was a six round pick. I have learned that if there is a talented player coming out of Michigan or coming out of Penn state or coming from one of these horribly offensive big 10 teams, give them a little bit more of a, of a leeway because, Odds are they're talented, but their universities and their football teams just did not know how to use them. So are you calling dibs on Nico Collins for the wide receiver episode? Ooh, I guess I am. I guess that was my subliminal way to do that. All right, speaking of Big Ten cools, Big Ten cools, Big Ten schools, I'm going out of Ohio State, and this is a guy we talked about last year, and I think both of us kind of liked him. Um, and he was last year's everyone's seventh-round draft pick in their mock drafts. You know, and I was like, is he going to go seventh round? Well, he ended up going seventh round. Safety, Jordan Fuller. Six foot two, 203 pounds, played 69% of the snaps for the Rams. Nice. Um, now, mm. he missed four games. So he, he was a full time starter for the Rams. Had 60 tackles, three interceptions, um, 31st in to- or 34th in total AV 
for the you know the draft class will essentially you know early second rounder more than guys like Tua more than Isaiah Simmons. So I'm getting an early second rounder to finish off the sixth round in Jordan Fuller, and I didn't waste the pick. No offense uh, on Xavier McKinney when I could have went you know Chase Claypool and how to you know took an offensive line in the first yeah, that's round. That's where I that's where I screwed myself. 100%. Yeah, you didn't have foresight. I use I use my hindsight and my foresight. Like I I literally. What I did is I I went through the whole draft at once and I wrote down six seven names and I was like how do I piece this together to fill every hole on my team and I tried to do it correctly and go round by round but no no I I this is this is how I win um, um uh, Adam Sandler yeah Adam Sandler gift all right let's talk about the linebackers let's talk about the linebackers but first Bobby Skinner you know who put on a show this weekend Masid Val Said that wrong. And Usman, they put on a show. Last time they stepped into the octagon, round two is sure to pack a punch. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 26-1 to 1 odds on either title contender to reign victorious. I'm pretty sure there's like three title fights. I saw an advertisement for that. Pretty cool stuff for the UFC. Pick either main event fighter to win during the U- the weekend's UFC 261 title. Uh, and DraftKings Sportsbook will, will give you 26 to 1 odds. Just bet $5 on either fighter to win. And if they walk out with the belt, you will cash in $130. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA is for you. They have other sports. DraftKings has a whole bunch of other sports, including uh, John Boy's dumb prop bets of the day. I find that to be very cool that uh, part of our uh, that the, our boss has his own prop bets every single day for Major League Baseball. So download the top-rated DraftKings sports back app now and use promo code John Boy when you sign up to turn $5 into $130. If the title contender of your choice wins, place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code John Boy to turn $5 and $130. If the fighter of your choosing takes home the crown for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years old or New Jersey, uh, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Linebackers. Come on. Pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, let's talk about this linebacker class. It's a very interesting position for the Giants, Justin. One, the reason the linebacker class is in the meat of this episode, I don't think it's a huge need, although, you know, you can always upgrade from a guy like Tay Crowder and Reggie Ragland, who, you know, are their number two and three next to Blake Martinez. But I don't think we all, any of us view it as a huge need. But you can put someone there. And then two, this class is deep, man. Like, I think this might be, like, my favorite, like, top 10 players. Wide receiver, maybe. But this might be, like, any position group, my favorite top 10 players is inside linebacker. Like, I was putting together my top 10. I was like, man, it sucks to put that guy at 11 and that guy at 12 because I can, you know, someone's going to ask me, where's that guy? And I'm going to feel good about it. So, it's a it's a weird spot, but I think it's it's a very fun position this year. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of guys are are versatile, right? You have uh, you have some guys that are kind of like a jack of all trades. You know, JOK we're going to be talking about from Notre Dame. I feel like uh, Browning from Ohio State. They play in a lot of versatile roles. But then you have your kind of pure interior linebackers, like two guys on or one guy on my list is um, is Collins, and then you also have Micah Parsons, who is like your pure like interior linebacker. I mean, he's like a field general in that regard. So a lot of versatility amongst this linebacker group. It's fun. It's fun. A uh, fun class to look at. And 
That position is really a wide open position for Patrick Graham's defense because we have the good D line in front of Blake Martinez. It's a you don't need to be like the mo- the smartest player. You kind of just got to come in, fill your role, do your job, fill gaps, play aggressive, and you kind of you fit in that role well. Now you can't be bad at it, you know, like a Devonte Downs. But we saw Tay Crowder come in, who you know me and you both love Tay Crowder, and I'm about to love one of his teammates, by the way. Um, but he kind of raw and he fit in really well. So I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, but first we're going to talk about someone who's not raw and who wouldn't need to, you know, play a small role or, or just play his role. Somebody who can do a ton. And I'm talking about the cream of the crop for this linebacker class, a top 10 talent and a plus player, Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn state, six foot two, 245 pounds opted out of the 2020 season with the COVID. But in 2019, he had 109 tackles, 14 tackles for a loss, 5 sacks. 2018, 82 tackles, 4 tackles for a loss, 1.5 sacks. Unreal speed and explosion. This dude is an athlete with strength. Unreal speed and explosion that gets to the ball. He, he sees ball, gets ball. Quick feet to shed offensive alignment with his hands, with strength, but also can do the juke thing. I remember with Isaiah Simmons and, and you know the guy we're going to talk about next, it's like, they can juke offensive alignment, but sometimes they'll get they'll struggle with uh, a physical offensive alignment if they get caught up. Parsons is that mix of both, and that's why he's number one on this list. Um, hits gaps hard and splits them up between offensive alignment. Flexible, can jump gaps easily. I think he's a pretty high IQ player with room to grow. Uh, you know where he's not. You know, like we said with the Giants, it's like just play your gap and go. Michael Parsons doesn't need to be that. He's a guy who can play. You know, he can two gap. Um, Smart player diagnosing, real real pass rush ability. Um, I don't really buy into the oh he's an edge in the NFL. He's the top edge. I would need to see it to believe it, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, now in coverage, he doesn't have a ton of coverage experience, and they didn't ask much out of him. But with all those things I just said and good coaching, there's no reason to not think that he wouldn't be good at coverage in the NFL. Justin, Micah Parsons is the real deal. My worry is. It's not even a worry. It's like if we drafted him, I feel like he wouldn't be able to live up to his ab- all his abilities because he's next to Blake Martinez behind that good D line. Yep. He's just play that gap and go. But I'm also, but he'd also would thrive at it and be amazing at it. Yeah the the problem with Micah Parsons at eleven, which a lot of people are on that train, and and I honestly I I don't I don't blame you if you're there, um because we talk I, I talked about this guy back in May. Um, and it's a shame that we didn't get a chance to see him possibly develop some more of those coverage skills because he didn't have any interceptions in 2019, but he did drop two interceptions. And Bobby, he's only really he was really only a full-time starter since 2019 and a full-time starter in 2019 in terms of being an interior linebacker, and he was recruited out of high school as a defensive end. So that's where a lot of people like to talk about with, you know, combining the inexperience at interior linebacker, really only having one full season plus being recruited out of high school as a defensive end. I think that's where a lot of people were thinking that he could possibly be an edge, but I think that was a conversation maybe for about one or two weeks, and then I haven't heard it since. Mike, like, Micah Parsons is an edge at the pro level. It was kind of just like a draft talking point, but, he can you know, play the ed- shame... He'll play edge reps, you know? Like, yeah. you know, Patrick, like, he'll play edge reps, but just like, hey, you are the same position Lorenzo Carter. I don't see that happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, David Mayo played some edge reps against Seattle because we had no, we we barely had any edge rushers. But Patrick Graham is willing to do it. But you're right. Your last point, I think, is the most important point about the Giants are a team that does like to play with three safeties, and 
there is a value to having three safety looks in today's NFL. And if you draft Micah Parsons, we're not talking about drafting an interior linebacker round two, three, four, and on. We're talking about drafting an interior linebacker possibly at pick 11. And you better use that guy. Like, his snap share better be up. Now, you can make the argument that Blake Martinez isn't going to be around forever, so that Micah Parsons is a guy that you that he would be your franchise linebacker, right? He would be here for the next 10 to 15, like, you know, 10 years, you would hope. And, that, and I can get behind that argument, but it would be tough in terms of the first couple of years that he was here. As long as, we're have, as long as we have a very strong safety room, plus we have Blake Martinez, plus we have, you know, the, the hog mollies up front that we trust to plug up those holes where you don't need a couple linebackers on the field at one time, it would be tough for him to fit on this defense. Um, I, See, I just think it's like it's the role would be like play this gap and go. I think he would play... 80 plus percent of the snaps right away because we do run more of a 3-3-5 um and because he does have edge abilities where it's like hey even when you want to when you're doing three linebackers and you you only want the one in the middle with Blake you put Parsons on one edge and then the rotation of the other cast I mean there's nobody you know there's nobody we're gonna be crying is not getting enough reps because Lorenzo Carter's taking outside linebacker reps um so there's that, but he's my, he's my number one defensive player for the Giants on, on, you know, when, you know, my big board. Now there's six offensive players ahead of him, but he is the number one defensive player on like my Giants big board. Cause I do think he comes in and makes a immediately huge impact and, you know, bar, you know, barring health with, with other positions. Uh, I think he is one of two missing pieces, which is that second inside linebacker. I like Tay Crowder, but like I don't think I don't think we ever think Crowder's going to be the top-notch, you know, Pro Bowl linebacker and edge, uh, and he doesn't fill both of those, but he does play a he does help uh, you be a little more versatile too. No, Parsons is the only defensive player that if we were to take him, I'm not at least scratching my head. There, there are some like you know if if the Giants really want to reach for an edge and go Ojulari, right? If they really want to reach for an edge or go Rousseau and Phillips, I'm not slamming my microphone in my head and my face um but i'm confused and i'm scratching my head and i'm not sure what my reaction is going to be but parsons is the guy where i'm like yep okay cool like they they have a vision for this guy and we know that there's collaboration between management and the coaching staff now and joe judge and patrick graham they clearly see that this guy's going to be a good fit so let's rock and roll with them and i would love it yeah he's a top 10 talent he's a top 10 talent um yep so all right all right michael parsons and there's character issue and until people tell me what those are and i'm not saying they're not real until people tell me what that means i i just i i can't use it as a talking point so i think he was wasn't he like cleared from that yeah all that stuff it seems you got cleared on i think the what people talk about is like maybe some immaturity oh. um well i mean he's only he has only been a full-time starter since 2019 and he opted out of 2020 coach chaos should so. know him so that, yes. that mean, you know, there's some guys where it's like, hey, he's immature. And there's other guys just like, he'll be a headache. Um, now, at linebacker, I, I think they could be less than a headache than maybe other positions. But anyways, if Coach Chaos signs off on it, we're good. And Matt Fla uh, Pat Flaherty was has spent a year there, too. That's right. That's very true. All right, you ready for my first guy, Bobby Skinner? Yes, I am. J-O-K, Jeremiah Owosu Koromora. Pronounce that right. Did you really? Okay, because I've just been going J-O-K. No, I, I made sure that I was – I wanted to say his name right once. Jeremiah Owosu-Koromora. I said it twice because I knew because I know I'm saying it right, and I'm very bad with names. So he's from Notre Dame, 6'1", 221 pounds. I had quite the interesting weekend with Notre Dame. My plus-plus category, he's one of the best pure athletes in this draft class. 
Quickness and short area bursts is like a running back. He's able to get skinny and avoid blocks to make plays in the backfield, and he has a great track record of making plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. And as soon as I'm reading this, as I got too excited to get my plus-plus category, speaking of making plays behind behind the line of scrimmage, JOK in 2019 had 13.5 tackles for loss. He had 11 tackles for loss in 2020. Total of 80 tackles in 2019, 62 in, 20, in 2020. Um, five and a half sacks in 2019, one and a half sacks in 2020. Um, great track record making plays behind the line of scrimmage. And I definitely think, Bobby, that this will transfer to the pro level. He has taken more reps as a slot corner than an interior linebacker, but I feel it's very important to talk about his role at Notre Dame because of how versatile he is. Um, and I watched Brett Coleman's video on this, so you know, I'm referring to him. This isn't just my brain saying this. So JOK would always line up on the field side of the play, meaning like the wide side, the wide side of the field. If there was a slot wide receiver on that wide side on the field side, he would line up in front of him. If the slot wide receiver was on the opposite side of the field side, he would line up in the box. He would line up as your typical in the box, in the box linebacker. So as a slot cornerback, he would constantly be on the lookout for screens and swing passes, and he would always be ready to pounce in the run game as well. Even though he would line up as a slot cornerback, it always seemed like he had the expectation that if there was a run play, he would still be able to come up and make the play. But also, while having that responsibility, he also has insane coverage skills and the ability to keep up with wide receivers like Devonta Smith. My plus category, he plays with a high motor at all times, only one speed. Because of this, he has some solid potential as a blitzer as well at the pro level. Five and a half sacks in 2019. Forces fumbles left and right. He forced five fumbles in the last two years, and he's recovered four. My minus category is a home run hitter. Like I said, he has one speed. It, it's, it can sometimes cost him because he's going to whiff on some plays. However, from the games that I watched, that was rare. He has the athleticism to stop on a dime and adjust uh, at least uh, slowing down the ball carrier, um, even if he is going to whiff on some plays. Does not have a lot of snaps inside the box compared to other linebackers in this class. Only 200 around this year. Um, is a little small, and the role is unclear. However, Bobby Skinner, even with his unclear role, I don't have the same critique of JOK as I did uh, about, like, let's say Isaiah Simmons. Okay. I think JOK can. I think I, I think JOK can fit into like this hybrid cornerback in the box defender. We saw that when Darnay Holmes was out. How often Xavier McKinney was in the slot? How often Logan Ryan was in the slot while also being safeties in the NFL level? And if a team has a weak secondary unit, for example. JOK can transform their defense because he can line up as both like that slot corner while also have that expectation of being an in-the-box linebacker and coming up and making plays in the run game. See, I view it the same as Isaiah Simmons, where it's like all these traits. And this is where I think Micah Parsons sets himself apart is JOK is crazy. He's insane. It's nuts. But if an offensive lineman does get his hands on him and gets the right angle, he he wins that battle. Like he, he once once you're on him, he's easily blocked. Where Parsons fights through and has that good hand fight, and, and not to say JOK won't learn that, but right now I do think he'll have some Isaiah Simmons issues if he's not put on the right team. Um, and that's my worry with the Giants is we kind of have that role already with like uh, Jabril Peppers, who you know a lot of people have made that point, including Tim Coffey, who, whose mom is actually a linebacker. They uh, like I don't know. You can't. I don't think he's a guy you just put it inside linebacker. Like I don't think he plays the same position as Tay Crowder, um, and I don't think he, you know, he's going to take over what Jabril Peppers does. Then you, you know, do a three safety. So um, he's an awesome player, but I do think he's going to have some of the same issues that Isaiah Simmons had as a rookie. 
Um, now, that's not to say that both of those players aren't going to be great. You know, rookie season isn't indicative of, of who you are. But, like, it is a different game, you know, where it's like, is he going to be playing slot corner? Like, it's, it's, at the end of the day, he's probably just going to be playing linebacker. Well, the, the difference between Simmons and JOK is at least when JOK wasn't lining up as, like, an interior linebacker and quote-unquote, he was still playing, like, a position you would play in the NFL. And it was, you know, th- and think of whenever we would line, whenever we would see Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, you know, it, with this Giants defense in 2020, whenever we would see them line up in the slot, they're still considered kind of safeties. So that's why I think JOK, he could, uh, he could very well, an NFL team can draft them and be like, yeah, you're going to play interior linebacker, which that's very likely. But if you have a team that is very adventurous and maybe feels like the Giants in years past where, hey, we just don't trust our slot corner. So the so the the least the less reps that we can have a slot corner out there, and maybe we can just have JOK do both because I really think he can do both, like cover cover a, a, a slot guy out there, um, plus have the expectation that he can come up and make plays in the run game. So that's where I feel like he's view he's different from Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons played like a different position because he was yeah. closer to the line of scrimmage. He was like in the middle of the field like in between where the safeties would play, but also behind the linebackers. So he played like a new position, but JOK doesn't really do that. So that's why I feel like if a team, an NFL team can use him creatively in that way. Yeah, I, it definitely can happen. I just do think, even if that does happen, I do think he's going to have issues that that uh, Isaiah Simmons had um, right. year one. And I, you know, I, and I view Simmons as a better prospect, and I still like, I don't I don't think anyone should give up on Simmons. I, th- I think there's a lot there and. and when you're when you're doing something different, it, it takes a little time, especially in the NFL. All right, JOK. Next on my list, everybody knows I love this guy. This is my guy, UNC linebacker Chaz Surratt. Now he's 24 years old, but he's football. He's linebacker young, six foot one, 227 pounds, but not not great size. But as we go through this list, you're gonna realize linebackers are getting smaller and smaller. Like we just mentioned, you know, JOK, Micah Parsons. You're gonna talk about uh, Zayvon Collins next. Those guys are, you know, you know, th- there's a reason those guys are the top three is because they can do all these things and play with that size. Linebackers are small. But anyways, Chaz Surratt, my guy, as a senior in 11 games, 91 tackles, seven and a half tackles for a loss, six sacks and a pick. Um, in 2000, and, and then uh, 2019, 13 games, first time playing linebacker after transferring from quarterback. I know everyone knows that by now, but it's, it's a big deal. First year playing linebacker, had 115 tackles, 15 tackles for a loss, six and a half sacks, and a pick. Was the ACC player of the year. And why do I love him? Well, because he plays fast and aggressive. Now, he may not have the greatest 40 time, but he is fast. And he plays fast and aggressive. That is my type. That is my type, and he he is that. And his burst is insane, man. It's like when he wants to, you can tell the difference between a guy who can run in a straight line and a guy who has burst. Chasserat has that burst. And for someone that's new to the linebacker, his instincts are good, man. Like you see him use his instincts in the run game, but in the pass game, um, you know, obviously, you know, playing QB, you're going to have some ideas of coverages. I think that may get a little overrated, but he's got those instincts in coverage. Um, now his instinct can get him in trouble at times because he'll take a chance. But I, I always uh, take a chance on those guys. Um, really good in man coverage. You see him in man coverage. He's a beast. Um, run fits aren't great, but I think that has to do with a little bit of overcomplicated reads um, where, you know, the scheme and these college systems where you have a lot more guys pulling and, and people motioning. 
um, where in the NFL it's like everyone's fast, so you can't get away with all of that stuff. Um, so he would benefit. He would fit perfectly in here uh, as as that linebacker role next to Blake Martinez. I think he'd be awesome. Um, and he has pass rush ability. A lot of these guys, they can you know, like they can pass rush the passer if they're free, and they can time it up right. Chasserat can time it up right, and he can also pop dudes. You watch him go up against running backs like Travis Etienne, and he pops dudes, man. So I love this guy. He's inside linebacker four for me. He's been falling down draft boards since the, um, the season ended. Um, but I am I am a Chas Surratt fan, and these people in the chat are saying, "Oh, he's 24." I'm about to ban all of you because I'm not dealing with Chas Surratt slander. What's his biggest critique? He can he can miss a tackle sometimes. He has short arms. And that he's 24, I guess. Hmm. And then size. But like I said, after those top three, everyone, like no one's really big at that spot, you know? And if they are, they're yeah. slow and they suck, you know? How is he doing against um, shedding blocks? I think that's also a critique. Um. He can get washed up, but again, I, I think he can he can deal with he needs experience with that. Um you know, like like he he counters that by playing aggressive though and with instincts and winning with angles. Again, you know, there will be times where he can get blocked, but um you know, a lot of a lot of guys can too. So again, he's not in that top three range like that that top three range. I do think there's a difference between those top three guys and the next ones. Um but he he is inside linebacker four, and again he's people say he's twenty four years old. He's learning the position. It's his second mm-hmm. year playing linebacker. His age should have nothing to do with it, unless you're talking about his second contract. But as on a rookie deal, uh, I have no issue with him being twenty four. Right on this this dude's been your dude for a long time. So you you typically your dudes, um, and you and I know you watch Surratt over and over and over again too. Um, to make sure that you're 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 confirming and you're backing up your takes too. So longest breakdown you. of the draft season is Chaz Rat. Thirty minutes. Go watch it. Wow. And it got Good freaking demonetized because XOS. Screw you, XOS. Screw. But you. we want to be nice to XOS too. You know, we don't want any people being mad that we may be mean, mean to XOS. All right, we love you, XOX. Just kidding. XOS. Screw screw XOS and Wyatt Davis. I'm doubling down. Talking Giants versus World. Zavon Collins, Tulsa, 6'5", 259 pounds. In 2020, he had a total of 59 tackles, 7.5 tackles for loss, 4 sacks, 4 interceptions. Kind of wild, kind of crazy. Only 8 games, though. 2019, he played 12 games. He had a total of 97 tackles, 8 tackles for loss, 2 sacks, no interceptions. Fun fun fact, two of those uh, 2020 um, interceptions were returned back for touchdowns. Also had a couple passes deflected as well. Zayvon Collins, my plus-plus category. Not sure if there is a linebacker in this class that combines such good size with unexpected athleticism. Like, you look at this guy and you expect him to be like your average day three big linebacker who can't move. But Collins 100% can move. He has solid range and and he can chase down plays as a backside defender. Does a great job blending into throwing lanes to make plays on the football in coverage. He is very, very patient. The size of a linebacker from a decade plus ago 
Similar size to Brian Urlacher, but incredibly, incredibly smooth. My plus category looked really good and natural coming off the edge. Good bend for an interior linebacker. Maybe he can take more pass. Maybe he can take more snaps there as a pro. Get more pass rush snaps. I don't know. Really think he can do it a bit more. He would need to develop some pass rush moves though. He has some kind of like a good bend, and he just does a good job of getting the lineman's hands off of, off his like his uh his torso and the front side of his body. So he's a former QB and tight end, Bobby Skinner. I know you like uh, your guys that um that change positions. Shout out Chaz Surratt. My minus category. Think sometimes his patience can be a detriment. His feet can be stuck in cement sometimes, and he allows linemen to get their hands on him. I Bobby, and this is also something too. I, I want to see him more as a bully rather than a finesse player. Like, dude, you're six five. You're two hundred and sixty pounds. You have the size to be a bully and. He's he's a solid tackler, but he just he doesn't impress me as a tackler. I, I don't want to call him a bad tackler, but it's just one of those things where it's like, dude, you're this athletic, you're this big, you should be like a bad mother effer. And I don't feel Collins is. Overall, I feel Collins is though what John what the Giants wanted Devon Kennard to be for them. A linebacker in a 4-3 system who can rush the passer when called upon, but also do- does a lot of other things well too. Like I think Collins, for his size, to, for him to be so good in coverage, uh, I think that's very, very impressive. And I think that's also very, very rare. There is a step down from the Parsons and JOK territory, but Parsons is still a like-it player for me who is very close to a love-it player. Yeah, he does everything really well. I do agree with your critique that sometimes... Um, he can be a little too patient, um, but yeah, he can do it all, man. And that size is real. And I do think that size makes a difference. Um, I went back and rewatched him cause I watched him very early in the process and was like reminded like, okay, yeah, this is why this guy's linebacker three. Um, so I, 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 I really like Zayvon Collins. I just do think he is in that middle range where it's like, he won't be on the board at 42 and we're not going to take him at 11. Um, and you know, I, I think I think Parsons and, and JOK are, are clearly better than him, but it's not like they're like in a whole nother world where it's like it can't even be compared. Um, although I do think they're both clearly better. So I, I like Zaven. Um I haven't really got invested in Zaven, but uh yeah, and, and like you said, he's new he's new to the position. And I, I gave that ben- I give that benefit to Chaz and he can get better at that. Um and just the way he destroys blocks and once he does hit a gap man, he just it looks effortless the way he closes in on a back, you know, where it's like this is like this ended up being a five yard tackle for a loss, and he made it look like he just walked to him basically. So that that's the type of stuff Zavin does. All right, next on the list: SEC linebacker Mizzou Nick Bolton, six foot, two hundred thirty-two pounds for the Missouri Tigers in 2020, 95 tackles, eight for a loss, two sacks. 2019, 113 tackles, eight and a half tackles for a loss, one sack, two interceptions. He is aggressive, but he's a little inconsistent with his aggression. You know, sometimes he sits and waits, and and you can tell he has he might have some issues processing uh, the play a little bit. Um, but when he is aggressive, he blows plays up, and it's beautiful. Um, great speed and range and pursuit for a linebacker. There's a couple highlights of him where you know a back is getting out on the edge, and especially at the goal line, where it's like, oh, I'm getting I'm getting to the goal line. And he just closes, man. And when he does close, he delivers a really big hit, too. Um, and, and that's the type of stuff where we're talking about all these players and their role they'd fit. I think Nick Bolton fits into that inside linebacker two role better than anybody else. Like, he he was built for the role that he could play um, with the New York Giants. 
not like I said, not the best at reading offenses. Just very disruptive in his run fits. Um, you know, can blow up uh, gaps. Um, now in the coverage, his zone instincts suck. Like he can be good at coverage and he can learn and get better. You know, he's not a player where it's like, oh, he just doesn't have the athleticism um, to get in coverage. But uh, he 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 screws things up. You know, there was a, a play against Alabama I did on the breakdown of him where it's like. The guy ended up dropping it, like. But this is a touchdown because Nick Bolton screwed up this this zone read. Um, so he needs to keep his eyes out of the backfield a little more, um, and and play routes. Um, like I said, reads the running back too much instead of his gap. Good agility, and then really good at scraping over the top of blocks. Um, so Nick Bolton, you know, uh, he's a I think he's a top of the second round player in, uh, for this draft. You shared on our socials a, a play of his at the goal line against Tennessee, and Jeremy Pruitt's probably going to be pretty familiar with him, and that was the caption. Dude's a dude's a brick wall. Like if if you're moving, you know, if you have a running back who's moving downhill, you got a you got a Bolton who's screaming down the line of scrimmage, and these and and these guys are meeting. Uh, Bolton's winning that battle, and you're not, and he's not allowing any ground. People love this guy. People really love Nick Bolton. I love him too. He's uh you know number five for me after Chaz. We got there's a huge Chaz. like argument going on about age in our chat and it's really annoying me. I'm just gonna say that. All right, keep going. It's the first time the chat's ever annoyed me. Okay, there was one time where our Patreon chat was fighting and we didn't and that was uh and that was bad. All right, this might be the second time. I don't think they're fighting. I think they're having are are, are they fighting or are they having a nice they're conversation? Not fighting. There's just like it's just this debate about age, and it's just I don't know. It's just it's just annoying me. I'm very self-conscious about my age. All right, next on my list. Jabril Cox from LSU, 6'3", 232 pounds in 2020. Was a transfer from North Dakota State, so only has one year on college football reference. 37 solo tackles, 58 total, 6.5 tackles for loss, 1 sack, 3 interceptions, 5 passes deflected. Jabril Cox. LSU, my plus-plus category, handles all coverage duties LSU asked him to do. He can run with tight ends down the field. He can cover bubble screens coming out of the backfield. Even some wide receivers down the field as well. There was a couple reps where he was covering some, covering some wide receivers. He has great instincts and in coverage and mirroring ability. It's hard to fully see on TV angles how good he can be, but I'd say he is one of the best coverage linebackers in this class. He finished with 26 passes deflected and 9 interceptions in his college career. Can't imagine he can fit both in a man-heavy scheme and a zone-heavy scheme. If he continues to develop, he will easily be a three-down player in the NFL. My plus category already knows what it's like to progress in comp- like or I say progress, that's probably a bad word. Basically take a jump up in competition level from one year to the next. Like I said, he transferred from North Dakota, uh, North Dakota to LSU, and he didn't really even miss a step. Played a lot better off-ball at LSU as well. My minus category plays upright and a little too high. Seems to hesitate and think about where he has to go instead of just going and reading or reacting in in the run game. Seems more comfortable and faster playing as as an off-ball linebacker slash outside linebacker than from the inside. Overall, Bobby, I loved Willie Gay last year, but I'm not in love with Jabril Cox um, as much this year, I feel bad that I don't like him, but he play, but he plays very hesitant. And again, this is a guy that you know. I feel like for how you know for how physical he is, how big these some of these linebackers are, how physical they are. I want to see more out of him, and this this could just be like a me thing this year where I'm being like tough on him. 
I can very much see an NFL team unlocking him and a, and a coaching staff allowing him to play a lot faster because I think he does have those athletic traits. And he is very smooth, but he is a like-it player for me, Bobby. So you like Cox? Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> okay. Now, serious. Um, Jareel Cox, I really want to like him. Um, you know... I always, you know, I'll always go for a guy who's fast and play coverage, you know, and and I can sacrifice a little bit. But people are falling in love with that too much because his run issues are very real. And it's not just simply lack of experience, lack of physicality. It's both. Again, like you said, he's hesitant. He's very late. And, you know, he gets blocked kind of easily. His run issues are very real. Um, And I think they're being underplayed right now by, you know, by the mass, big, the large majority of people. So when I see him in the second round, that worries me. I don't think it, I don't. I view him as more of a project than a like. Let's go in right now again. In coverage, you put him in man coverage. Probably plays man coverage better than any linebacker in this class, um, besides maybe JOK. But just playing the linebacker spot, I know that the league is becoming more passing. But you got to have some run ability, and he his is really bad. So that is my worry about. Jabril Cox, and it's why I'm not I'm not high on him, and he's a player I would like to be high on because, again, that coverage ability is so real, but his run issues are very real, and I feel like they're being underplayed uh, at this process, at this part of the draft process. Yeah, and like I said, I, it, this is one of those players where I can easily see a coaching staff unlocking him, right? You know, he, he didn't have all his years. He had only one year of top-level, collegiate-level ball at LSU where those coaches can coach him up. So I can very much see a a good coaching staff kind of unlocking him at the pro level. Um, And it's rare to have a linebacker that covers as well as he can that can play both zone and man and 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 with really good mirroring abilities. So I could see a coaching staff unlocking Jabril Cox, especially in the run game, where he easily can be like a three-down player in the NFL. All right, Justin. Well, speaking of unlocking Cox, with the first pick of the 2021 men's grooming draft, the ball, Saxonville, Saguars, this is just ridiculous. Select Manscaped, the leader below the waist grooming. Looks like Mel Kuyper gave this an A-plus grade because this pick is a major upgrade for the, the Bush defense. Devin Bush. For all my... There's a joke I made, and I made it on a Simple Man Radio mock draft a couple years ago. I can't make it on this podcast anymore. We have an exclusive 20% off pro, uh, promo code XXX at Manscaped.com. No, that's not that's not it. The code is Giants. Well, for me, it says XXXX. <laughs> that's the, that's not the code. Well, the code is Giants. Hey, it's at the end. It says it says Giants, but for in the in the in the intro part, it says XXXX. Oh, don't type that a lot in. Of X's. Do not type in that into your computer. Um, don't Google it, search it. Is it is promo code Giants. Um. So yeah, I mean, Manscaped's real. I I want to make the Bush joke, but I can't. It's it's very insensitive. The reason why Manscaped is a guaranteed number one pick is because of the performance package. You're talking about nickel package, sub package, you know, four three package. This package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle for your grundle. Inside the I'm I'm ad libbing like crazy right now. Inside the performance package is the lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The ceramic blade and its skin-safe technology reduces nicks and snags on your saggy bag. This is the dong defense that you need. You know what? I told them. I was like, you know, the puns aren't like that great for the ad reads. I'm wrong. These are making me laugh every time. This package also includes the weed whacker, nose and ear hair trimmer. I know this is the best tool in the market for nose and ear hair. 
I actually uh, used that the other day for my ears. It looks good. You can't really see my ears because they got my real hair on top of them. But uh, it, it's good stuff. Take into your pick. Put it on Twitter. Yeah, I will. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant. You got the Crop Reviver where you can spray on toner for your balls. I mean, it, I, I put that on the go to the beach the other day. This stuff is real deal. Um, and for a limited time, buyers of the performance package receive not one, but two free gifts. The Shed uh, Travel Bag, $39 value added, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing boxer briefs. Support the show and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. They also have a ton of other amazing men's hygiene products on their website from disposable mats to your uh, pubes to foot deodorant. Get 20% off and free shipping with code GIANTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code GIANTS. It's time you upgrade the defense with Manscaped. How'd I do? Perfect. Just like you. Thank you. All right, next on my list, a guy I fell in love with. Fell in love with late in the process. An underrated player. An underrated linebacker from Georgia. Tell me where you heard it before, my friend. What? Where Where did you hear of this guy from? Who recommended him to you? I mean, I was going to watch this play regardless, so. Oh, okay. I promise you. I just saw a Georgia linebacker. I was like, we already have a, a steel at linebacker from Georgia and Tate Crowder. I'm going to look at this guy, and it's Monty Rice. Six foot, 238, so he is short, but he's thick. He's got that He's got that 238-pound weight on him, even though it's six foot. In 2020, in nine games, 49 tackles, four for a loss, one sack, um, and, and good numbers in, in 19 and 18, too. Another fast Georgia linebacker with good instincts. Shout out to the Georgia linebacker coach. I think his name is John like Schumann or something. I looked it up earlier. He's a beast. The Giants, you know, hire that guy. If we're going to keep adding coaches, add that guy. I know he's co-defensive coordinator now. Um, again, he's short, but he's thick. You know, some guys are short and skinny. He's thick, so I don't really worry about him being six foot. Naturally quick. Naturally quick where you can sit, 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 pounce pounce you know he's not overly aggressive um you see him go through traffic and i have a breakdown that's coming out on him at one o'clock on tuesday he maneuvers through traffic it's like how did he get through all that how did he get through that stay square and like and make the play uh takes on blocks and he de- deconstructs them with his hands a lot of players can't do that you know that's one of Chaz harach struggles is deconstructing blocks head up with his hands uh monty does that um, very aggressive in coverage. His coverage skills are real deal. Um, when he's in man, he's in your pocket. He can get grabby sometimes, you know, where it's like, you know, he might get called for penalty here or there. But like, you know, if there's plays lined up against Kyle Pitts and <laughs> Kyle Pitts. And, and speaking of fast cars, Kadarius Tony, um, aggressive, um, uh, under, uh, aggr- aggressive under coverage. But sometimes if they run a rub route on him, you can get him in man. Um, Always looking for the routes and zone. Again, speed and acceleration make him a good blitzer, too. Like, you'll see he had a strip sack. In fact, we're talking about similarities to Tay Crowder. He has a strip sack return for a touchdown versus Tennessee, just like Tay Crowder. Uh, and he just stays square in the run game. This player is underrated. So, maybe you're not a, you know, whoever you're a fan of and you're listening to Monty Rice, I finished with the video off with saying this, is don't think you overdrafted this guy because you didn't. He is being underrated. I don't know why Georgia linebackers keep getting underrated because Monty Rice is a real deal. Love it. Love it. And, you know, he combines that speed with, you know, he, he uh, at least in, no, no, this says under 10% missed tackle rate in his career. Despite in 20, 
You know, in 2019, he had 16 missed tackles, but he also had a total of 72 tackles. So I guess that rate is pretty good. And throughout his entire career at Georgia, um, less than 10% missed tackle rate, that is pretty darn good. So he combines that speed um, with pretty good tackling ability as well. So you love to see it. All right, next on my list, Bobby Skinner, is Baron Browning, Ohio State. He is 6'3", 245 pounds in 2020. He had a total of 29 tackles, Big Ten, so they played limited games. 29 tackles, 3 tackles for loss, 1 sack. In 2019, he had 43 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, and 5 sacks in my plus-plus category. When you combine his speed and size with his football smarts to play in coverage and recognize the men in his zone, Browning is a very, very enticing football player, and he's very, very fun to watch. Speed coming off the edge, he has it, and he does a good job of taking advantage of bad technique. Um, he's a great tackler who isn't afraid to get his nose involved in a play as well. Very versatile. Played almost like a JOK role, both inside and outside the tackles. He not really JOK where he's like lining up like a, as a legit slot corner, but think of like that role of like outside linebacker, but playing like outside the tackles yes, like and splitting the out- wide receiver and the tackle. Yeah. So my plus category is solid burst and quickness that puts him in a good position to make some plays. Vastly improved in 2020 compared to his previous years at Ohio State. Played much more loose and natural in 2020. He has a high motor. He chases plays throughout the entire field. My minus category, you see this, you see this in man coverage sometimes. Browning sometimes reacts instead of anticipates some moves. So he's playing catch up. Maybe he's grabbing a guy that's running past him. I want to see him take on blocks better as well. Some scouting reports are very, very harsh on him as well when talking about his instincts. So, Bobby, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, you know, we're only watching, you know, two, three games. So, (laughs) I don't want to, like, kill his instincts, but some scouting reports were unusually pretty harsh on Browning with that. Overall, I feel like Browning had almost a JOK role, like I said, but he has the body and the traits of a light Micah Parsons. He is one of the most intriguing mid-round prospects and draft picks in terms of this strong linebacker class, and he is a love-it player for me. I'm going to give him that designation. Really? Okay. Um, I don't kill his instincts, but I do think he, you know, one of the notes I have on him is put him in a system, tell him to hit a gap, and let him go. Because the more he thinks, the more he issues he has, and he is slow to react at times. Um, but he has, like, all the ability, and that kind of stuff you can get better at. Um so I do. Some people have him as like a first round player, and I think that's kind of crazy. Um, but like I, I just, I just don't see him as that, you know. And like all the guys I talked about before, I have ahead of him. I know it's it's a deep class, so I like all these guys, and I like Browning. But he is a like, hey, you you just need to let him go. Um, and then also like you know, JOK, you talk about him in the open field. He can be kind of take some bad angles too with Browning. Right on. Right on. Right on. All right. Next on my list, another people, another guy people are falling in love with, um, and it's because his pro day. Let's be real. I mean, one, you look at him, he's six foot three, two hundred thirty four pounds. You look at him, and he has like a twenty five pack. Like he is, he is a chiseled human being. At his pro day, he ran a four three seven forty with a forty two inch vertical jump, which is it's just nuts. Jameen Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky, in two thousand twenty, he had uh, one hundred two tackles, four for loss, one and a half sacks, three interceptions. Um, and was kind of, was pretty, pretty new to the position. Like he was new to the position. Um, uh, but he has elite tools. And so that's why people are falling in love with him. He has elite tools. Um, the speed is there, but he doesn't flash it much. And I, that's my issue with Davis. He needs to be more aggressive. I understand he's new to the position, 
but err on the side of being aggressive than sitting there. Because it's just times where it's like, dude, you have all this speed, you have this strength, you have this ability, and it's like you're just sitting there. You're just sitting there. Go, go. And something I noticed is with him, he has more assisted tackles than solo tackles. And, mm. you know, you don't just look at stats, but that means something what you mean. is because he's not going to be the guy that gets there. Sometimes he's the guy that gets there second. Um, but anyways, but the good stuff. He can destroy blocks effortlessly playing you know playing through and getting vertical through through an offensive lineman um again needs to be more aggressive his eyes are just stuck in the backfield uh and and i and part of that is is him processing uh slowly solid tackle um doesn't have a feel for coverage but also kentucky's scheme had a lot of under where it's like you didn't you weren't having to turn your zone into man a lot where it's like you kind of could play a zone because there are so many people playing that underneath coverage um, so he was covering small spaces instead of big spaces where you have to be more, uh, more, uh, aggressive and instinctual. So again, uh, Jameen Davis isn't a project player cause he comes in and, and plays right away, but he's got some stuff to work on. He needs to be more aggressive and, and get his eyes out of the backfield, which is nice with the giants this year. Cause I do feel like the linebacker roles like, Hey, we need someone to come in, play, you know, play their, play their gap and go hard and fast. Bobby, my next guy is somebody who is naturally extremely, extremely aggressive, and I'm very much in love with them. Cameron McGrone from Michigan, 6'1", 234 pounds in 2020. Again, Big Ten limited season, 26 tackles, two tackles for loss, half a sack 2019, 65 tackles, nine tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. In my plus-plus category, he plays the game at a different speed compared to everyone else on the field. This is the guy that I actually watched last because I legitimately thought that he was going to be sixth on my list. I'm including him fifth, but I guess, you know, I how I rank players in, like, my brain is different than how, like, I enjoyed, like, watching players. I, I enjoyed watching JOK the most. I enjoyed watching Cameron McGrown the second most out of all these linebackers. So it doesn't mean that he's the second best player. He's not better than Collins, but it's just a player that I enjoyed watching the second most. So he plays the game at a different speed compared to everyone else on the field. He has great range. Bobby, you've said that, you know, a few different guys on your list would be like the perfect interior linebacker two fit for Patrick Graham. I think this guy would be the perfect interior linebacker two fit as a guy who can just hit a gap and go. He can take on blocks, yet he still has the speed to get to a ball carrier in the backfield, which he he has that track record at Michigan. My plus category, he's naturally very physical and a very good form tackler. Wraps up and bites the ball. I'm a sucker for a good form tackler. Can play full speed, finds his gaps through a running scheme, and locates the ball carrier by himself. For some linebackers, doing one of these things is hard enough, let alone all three, to play at full speed to find gaps through your running scheme, and to locate a ball carry. He does all three of those things, I feel like he pretty well. Takes good angles, understands blocking schemes, where he needs to be, like I said. Minus category, limited production, and lack of coverage abilities. I mean, the lack of like his coverage abilities is almost non-existent. However, he is a love-it player for me, because an interior linebacker two system, where you're running three safeties the majority of the time, and I may be misinterpreting you know, the exact personnel set, and I may be... I may be undervaluing the impact of an interior linebacker two in Patrick Graham's system. I could be very well doing that. But instead of taking like a Nick Bolton in round two, right, where he's an interior linebacker two, and we feel really good about that, we feel really good about his aggressiveness and then go, go, go attitude and mentality, 
I think it, I look at it from a value standpoint where, okay, we have a, we're going to be drafting a, a guy round two, and what is he going to get? Half the snaps, 60% of the snaps. This guy, I would feel very good about Cameron McGrone being a fourth-round pick for the Giants, him getting 50% of the snaps, 60% of the snaps maybe, and just a go, 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 go knock somebody's block off kind of guy. He's a love-it player for me. Yeah, I like him. Um, you know, I look at the size. Does he just not look smaller than everybody else we talk about, though? He he does. I mean, frame, right? I think the 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 phrase scouts like to use is frame. But here's also the thing: if you're playing like a bat out of hell and you're playing harder than everybody else around yeah. you, you know, I I like that. And I guess it's easier to hide in in the collegiate level. Um, but I, I don't I don't I don't like to project that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you, you mentioned the coverage. They, you know, he's not going to get asked this in the NFL, but there's like some tight end one-on-one reps and like he was getting mosses. Like, but also it's like when you can ask your linebacker to just go one-on-one with a tight end, that doesn't right. happen um, um, anymore. So I, I like McGrone. I'm not I'm not as high as him on, as you are, but I do like McGrone um, and what's a, a really good linebacker class. All right, last guy I'm talking about, another Big Ten player. Switched from edge to inside linebacker in 2020. So one year at the position. Part of that, I think, is because he's a tweener at six foot, 238 pounds. Derek Barnes, man, this guy seems like a perfect fit for Patrick Graham because he does have that edge experience. And he switched to inside linebacker, and I thought he played pretty well um, in 2020 in six games. He had 54 tackles. Now he only had z- he had zero sacks, five and a half tackles for a loss and interception. Where in 2019, playing the edge, he had seven and a half sacks and 11 tackles for a loss. Obviously, double the games, but you know, going. You would like a guy that was playing edge to get more than zero sacks uh, playing inside linebacker, but there's there's a lot that goes into that. Um, good blend of strength and burst. Um, you know, he's not going to win with like that straight line speed, but he has he does have good burst. Um, strength throws up at contact. He pops dudes, you know, and that's where it's like, okay, this guy played some defensive line. Like when he's when he's you know making contact with a lineman, he brings the pop. I mean, his hands are are heavy. Um, again. He played edge. Now, he doesn't really have a lot of pass rush moves. It's a lot of bull, uh, you know, bull and pull type stuff where, you know, he's not he's not showing off the hands a ton. But that's a lot better than guys who didn't play the edge and will play that inside linebacker uh, reps. Um, so, again, he doesn't have those moves. Good hand fight. Um, Going to struggle with bigger, stronger offensive linemen. But that was more at the edge spot than it was um, inside linebacker spot. Um had some issues setting the edge. And again, this is a lot of edge stuff right here. Um, but also, I do think with... I know we're talking about inside linebackers, but I do think he fits in as an outside linebacker with Patrick Graham. Where it's like, hey, you're rushing the pass and you're dropping back into coverage. You're doing a little bit of both. Um, so, I like, I... You know, he'll get some inside linebacker reps, but I don't see him playing, like, full-time inside linebacker like a Tay Crowder would. All right, right on. Final guy on my list is Dylan Moses... From Alabama, 6'1", 225 pounds. What a fall from grace. I was <laughs> I was ready to put this guy at the start because this is a guy that we looked at in May, um, that I looked at in May, and I was ready to put him at like number three on my list because it's like, oh yeah, he he was we were projecting him to be kind of good, and he probably had a good 2020. Oh boy, what a fall from grace he had. In 2020, he had 76 tackles, six tackles for loss, one sack. When Bobby Skinner made that note about the solo tackles versus assisted tackles, so... 
Um, Dylan Moses is one of those guys where he has 40 solo tackles and 36 assists. So it, the the split in the ratio is kind of 50-50, which is that concerning? Is that a thing? I don't know. Take it as you wish. My plus-plus category. He is a plus-plus tackler. Only 13 misses on 192 career attempts. He has very good sideline-to-sideline athleticism. Despite struggling with injuries, he is one of the most experienced linebackers in the class in terms of snaps played. He does have legit ability as a pass rusher. Even had reps where he put his hand in the ground at Alabama, and he was quite productive there as well. Plus category, Alabama's defense took a step down without his presence in 2019. Also hurts they have to play LSU a couple times. Obviously, and they were pretty good this year with with Dylan Moses back. Does a good job of forcing runs to the outside, even if he doesn't make the play, and stays square when defending the run. My minus category, he can be caught staring at the QB's eyes too often in coverage instead of just feeling who is around him and and when he is playing zone. Not the most reliable in pass coverage. Also, he doesn't push himself on every snap. He, it does look like he takes plays off. There's a difference between other guys like Cox and Collins on my list, where I'm like, I want to see more out of you, but I, I wasn't questioning their effort. Moses, I'm like, dude, why, you're, you're, you could make a play here, and you're just not. Overall, when trying to think of positive attributes for Dylan Moses, you are mainly creating your talking points around his athleticism that he has not fully untapped yet. You watch him in 2018, you watch him in 2017, it looks like he has the potential to, uh, of a guy to grow into one of the best linebackers in the draft class, but he just never took that big step up. As a mid-day three pick, you have to feel good about taking a chance on his athleticism, but Moses, he comes in with an injury history and some risk. However, the upside, it is kind of tempting. Dylan Moses is a like-it player for me. Mel Kuyper, by the way, before this season, had him ranked as like the number one linebacker ahead of Micah Parsons, and now we're talking about him as like a fourth-round pick. A fall from grace for 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 old Dylan, and for Mel Kiper, uh, who we just talked about in an ad read. All right, that's an episode. We'll be back Friday talking offensive tackles, and then Monday wide receivers, and then then we're doing the damn thing. Next episode is draft day. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll see you on Friday. Watch all the draft breakdowns. Appreciate you guys. Until then, let's go big blue.